Hi, you're listening to another sermon from Deep Creek Anglican Church. So a few nights ago, my daughters changed footy teams. Now, I was over at my brother's house uh, with my family, and my brother, he gives my two big girls Richmond Tiger beanies. Now, my family, they follow the Essendon Bombers, and so then getting Tiger's beanies, well, that, that was a problem. But, but I didn't want to be the, the meanie parent. I mean, like, who wants to say no to a child? So I guess we follow the Tigers now. And now for some people, changing football teams is a big deal. But really, if you think about it, not much changes apart from the uniform. I mean, it's still the same game. Even the players move around between, uh, between different teams depending on the season. Now, I know a number of you guys play basketball. Now, some of you are even part of more than one basketball team. Or what does it look like to move from one basketball team to another? I mean, sure, you've got different uniforms, but it's, it's still basketball. It's all the same rules, the same goals, the same court. Like, changing teams is not really a big deal. But what if you changed sports? What if you went from playing rugby to basketball? Now it's not just different uniforms, you have completely different rules, different goals, like everything changes. When we change sports, we need to learn a totally different strategy, a whole new way of playing the game. I mean, imagine what would happen if we didn't adjust to the new sport. Imagine if we played basketball the same way that we play rugby. It'd be pretty chaotic. People would probably get hurt, and you would probably get kicked off the team. Now, the reason that I mentioned all of this is when we become a Christian, it can feel a little bit like changing sports teams. You know, we look at, we look at our lives, and we think, hmm, there's some stuff I should probably not be doing now. And so we, we find a Christian version of everything. I mean, like music, like you like, do you like non-Christian music? Well, whatever genre you like listening to, there's a Christian version. You like wearing branded clothes? Well, now you can wear a Christian version. You like playing video games? Have you tried the Christian version? We've got a, we've got Guitar Hero, but now you've got Worship Hero. You like movies? Well, forget high school musical. Have you ever watched Sunday school musical? I hear it's terrible. But is this what it means to be a Christian? Changing teams. Changing uniforms. The same game, but just with a Jesus uniform. When someone becomes a Christian... It's more than just changing teams. It's like joining a different sport entirely. The Bible says when we become a Christian, it's such a big change that it's like, it's like changing our citizenship, changing countries. The Bible often describes it as going from one kingdom to living in a different kingdom. 
Jesus talks about the kingdom of God more than anyone else. The kingdom is such a big deal for Jesus, so it should be a big deal for us too. So at these youth services this year, we're going to look at four big ways his kingdom is radically different from the normal world. And tonight we're thinking about how the kingdom is upside down. The upside down kingdom. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, is the values of his new kingdom are so radically different from the normal kingdom that they are upside down compared to each other. There's this place in Luke's gospel where, where Jesus is chatting with his followers and he describes the differences between living in these two kingdoms. So what's the normal kingdom look like? Well, according to Jesus uh, in Luke 6, most people around us in our schools and our streets are living in this normal kingdom. This is the normal way that people live. What are the big values in this normal kingdom? Well, in the normal kingdom, it's all about getting wealth, pleasure, achievement, and recognition. If you can get all of these, then you're living the good life. In, in, uh, in Luke 6, uh, verses 24 to 26, Jesus says that normal people are keen to get rich. Uh, so, so it's all about getting wealthy, wanting the latest stuff, having the, having the most stuff. I wonder if you've experienced this in the people around you at school, or maybe yourself at times. In verse 25, it says people want to be well-fed. See, it's not, it's not about just having enough food. It's about being well-fed with the good stuff. It's all about pleasure and enjoyment. It's about seeking experiences and things that will make me feel good. And I reckon there's heaps of this at the moment. If something makes me feel good, then it's good for me. Verse 25, normal people, they like to laugh. Now, this one does seem a little bit weird. But it's the kind of feeling when your sporting team beats the opposition. It's, it's kind of like, ha-ha, in your face, we won. And so Jesus is saying that normal people are driven by winning, by, by achievement, by success. If you've ever won a prize or a competition at school for doing well at something, it's amazing how we suddenly want to keep on winning. And in verse 26, normal people like to have everyone speak well of us. See, it's about getting recognition. It's about having others look at us and think we are cool. Everyone wants to be an influencer these days. We want followers. We want subscribers. Basically, we want to be famous. I wonder if that's you. Wealth, pleasure, achievement, recognition. These values are pretty normal in our world. That is a sport that most people play. The trouble is, living this way doesn't actually work. I mean, sure, these things sound fulfilling and freeing, but sooner or later, we end up being controlled by them. I mean, take, take wealth. Money, it's a wonderful thing. But have you ever noticed how no one ever feels like they have enough money? 
The problem with money is that once you get some, then you will always want just a little bit more and a little bit more. And eventually money controls us and will do anything to keep up with our lifestyle, including being dishonest or hurting others. What about pleasure? Well, similar to money, it's nice to enjoy things in life. But have you noticed, we never seem to be satisfied with what we have. And so even when we do experience that thing which we believe will give our lives meaning, it rarely delivers, and we're left looking for the next thing that will satisfy us. Achievements can be great, but if being successful is our goal, then we'll be constantly insecure, comparing ourselves to others. And so no matter how hard we work, there's always going to be someone out there who's better than us. And so we end up burning out and burning our friends in the process. And recognition is the same. It's a good thing to be recognized, particularly if you've, if you've worked hard or done something brave. But if your goal is to be famous, then you're going to be paralyzed by what people think of you. I, I really don't like criticism, and so I get this one. In a desire to be recognized and liked, we end up being controlled by a desire to please people. Wealth, pleasure, achievement, recognition. I wonder if any of these describe you. Now, don't get me wrong. These things are good things in themselves. But if they are all that we live for, then they will end up controlling us. Eventually, the rich will lose their wealth. Those who feed on pleasure will be left hungry. High achievers will eventually be overtaken by someone better. Famous people will eventually lose their reputation or be forgotten about. There must be a better way than living like this. There must be a better kingdom. When Jesus, he arrived on the scene, the first thing he says in Mark's gospel is, the time has come, the kingdom of God has arrived. Believe the good news. Jesus says there's a new kingdom and it's here and now. He introduces a totally new way of living. We're not just changing teams, we're changing sports. His new kingdom is a complete reversal of all of these values. Compared to the rest of the world, Jesus' kingdom is upside down. So what's the secret to life in the upside down kingdom? Well, Jesus says that it is poverty, discomfort, failure, and rejection. I don't know about you, but that sounds bad to me. It sounds like we're aiming for failure and rejection. Like, who, who, who wants that? But the cool thing about the upside-down kingdom, not only are the values flipped, but so is the way that we achieve them. See, in the normal kingdom, it's all about us working hard and earning the wealth and happiness for ourselves. But in the upside-down kingdom, Jesus offers to swap places with us. In the upside-down kingdom, it's not about how well we can play the sport. 
It's about Jesus subbing in for us. Jesus, he steps in, he takes our place, and he plays the grueling game that we can't play ourselves. The upside-down kingdom is one of poverty, discomfort, failure, and rejection. And this is exactly what Jesus experienced to bring us onto his team. During his time here on earth, Jesus went through all of this in our place. Jesus died on the cross for us while we watched from the sidelines. He subbed in for us and played the game for us, and it cost him his life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 that that God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, Jesus, though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make us rich. Jesus, he subbed in for us. He played the game that we couldn't play ourselves. One of the reasons why the upside-down kingdom is so much better than the normal one is it's, it's not us trying to live life by ourselves. It's not just us trying to shoot hoops and score points by ourselves. Changing sports to the upside-down kingdom means we join Jesus' team. Our identity, our worth is based on how great Jesus is, not on ourselves. And the best thing about that is that no matter how terrible we are at sport, we get to celebrate his wins. Jesus' wins are our wins because we are part of his team. Some of you were at our sports night this term at youth. Some of you were really good, really good, and scored lots of goals. Now, I don't think I scored anything. But because I was on your team, I was a winner too. (laughs) How good is that? For me anyway. And the coolest thing about being part of Jesus' team is that our lives now share his victories. We are united to him. We are JC united. I mean, that even sounds like a sports team. The upside-down kingdom is amazing because Jesus himself swapped himself with us. And now through his poverty, we can experience riches with him. Through his suffering on the cross, we can now experience his joy. Through the apparent failure of his death, we can now experience victory over death. And through the rejection he experienced, we now experience the approval of God. He is the best player that ever lived. And because we are part of his team, Jesus' wins are now ours. If we are part of the upside-down kingdom, being united to Jesus is all the value and worth that we ever need to be truly happy and fulfilled. And those values in the normal kingdom that once controlled us doesn't bother us anymore. Wealth, pleasure, achievements, recognition... Sure, we might end up experiencing some of these, or we might not. But these no longer define who we are anymore. 
in the upside-down kingdom, we are free. Jesus offers us a completely new way to live, a completely new way to be human with him. And my prayer is that over the course of this year, we would learn more about how to live in his kingdom. And if you don't reckon that you've made that leap onto Jesus' team, then come and see me or Nick or any of the leaders over dinner. We'd love to chat with you.